You know, when Jesus walked the earth, he had lots to say. He spoke on such a wide variety of topics. He talked about money. He talked about sin. He talked about life, the kingdom. He talked about hell. And that's just to name a few of the things that Jesus talked about. Generally speaking, people want to know what Jesus has to say about something or what he said about a specific topic. Many, many years ago, I even heard of a group of businessmen. Now, don't quote me on this because it's been so long since I've heard the story. I've probably got the details a little wrong. But, like, the gist of the story is there was a group of businessmen that were interested in what Jesus had to say. And there's certain, certain Bibles will put the, the words of Jesus in red letters. And so this group of businessmen would get together at lunch, and they would open the Bible, and they would just read the red letters. And they, were call, they called themselves something like the Red Letter Club or the Red Letter Society. Not Christians, but just wanted to know what did Jesus have to say. And eventually each one of those businessmen gave their hearts to Jesus just reading his words. Love your enemies. You get what you deserve. Cleanliness is next to godliness. Follow your heart. Love one another. God doesn't give you more than you can handle. Do what makes you happy. Follow me and life will be easy. Only God can judge me. Now, some of these are things that Jesus actually said. Most of these things are things that people think that Jesus said. But he didn't say all of those things. And so over the next few weeks, we want to take a look at the things that people think Jesus said. But Jesus never said that. This week, we're going to look at only God can judge me. Now, if you are a rap fan, any rap fans in the house? A couple. <laughs> I heard a couple whoop whoops. All right. So in 1996, rapper Tupac came out with a rap called Only God Can Judge Me. Now listen, here's a portion of those lyrics. He says, that which doesn't kill me can only make me stronger. That's for real. And while I don't see why everybody feel as though they got to tell me how to live my life, you know, let me live, baby, let me live, because only God can judge me. Now, there are many who are quick to point out, well, wait a minute, Jesus did say, do not judge. And some can even tell you the address of where that's found, Matthew chapter 7 and verse number 1. So let's go ahead and turn there, and let's look at these red letters of Jesus in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 1. We're going to read through to verse number 5. It starts, Do not judge so that you will not be judged. For in the way you judge, you will be judged. And by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, Let me take the speck out of your eye, and look at the log that is, and not look at the log that is in your own eye. You hypocrite! First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Now listen, chances are you're probably gonna get tired of hearing me say this, but it is so important to take context into consideration when we're reading scripture. You cannot take one verse or three words, do not judge, 
and make it stand alone outside of the rest of Scripture. You have to take the whole of Scripture into context. And it must be supported by Scripture because Scripture interprets Scripture. So right off, we see that Jesus really did say, do not judge. But he didn't stop there. The sentence goes on to explain why. So that you will not be judged. All right, so now we got it. Do not judge so that you will not be judged. So if you want to escape judgment, simply do not judge other people and then you have a free ticket to ride because you will not be judged. No, that's not what it means. Because in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 20, 27, excuse me, it says this. It is destined for people to die once and after this comes judgment. If you get to experience a res resurrection from the dead, lucky you, you get to experience death twice. But everyone will face the judgment of God. Everyone. What Jesus is teaching here is to not condemn or to take the place of judge in someone's life. Because he goes on to tell us how to judge properly. So if Jesus is really teaching us not to judge, then why would he go on to tell us how to judge properly? I am not the judge. You are not the judge. Jesus is the judge. And we should never pass condemning judgments over people, setting ourselves up and setting our words up as a place of law and authority in their lives. See, when we take the place of judge, then what we do is we actually invite the judgment of Jesus into our lives. See, the standard that we judge with is the standard that will be judged back against us. So then I think that the question is, what would happen if instead of standing in the place of judgment, instead we offered mercy and grace and forgiveness and love to people the same way that Jesus did for us? I'll tell you, I know one thing that would happen. The perception of us would change. Us as in those that follow Jesus. Us as in those that go to church. Because we are not always perceived well in the world. Sometimes not even by those that go to church don't perceive each other very well. I've got a friend um, and he posted a graphic on Instagram a few weeks back. He was someone, this friend is someone that we'd seen except Jesus about eight years ago. We discipled him, you know, took him on missions trips, saw him receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And then a few years ago he began to wander from the faith and has since chosen to go his own way. He posted this graphic on Instagram a few weeks back. And so I saw it, and I thought, you know what? I'm going to send you a message. I took the opportunity to let him know that he wasn't being judged, not by everybody, and so I simply sent him a message on Instagram that said, well, what about people that attend church and have tattoos? And this is what I got. <laughs> there wasn't much of a conversation, but I did get a thumbs up. We're still friends. We still talk every once in a while. I'd like to see him more than, than, what I, than what I do. But I just continue to love on him. I continue to create space for him, offer him mercy and grace. And I'm praying that one day he will choose to come back home, to come back to the Father. You know, they feel like they're being judged. And here, here's, here's the truth. Sometimes we're, we're not actually judging them. I've, I've had family members that have said to Renee and I have got angry at us and saying, you, you're judging us. When 
the reality was we never spoke a word of judgment. We never looked at them in a judging way. But because of the way that we were living our lives, they felt condemned by us. They felt judged. And so what they were doing is they were judging us and they were feeling that back on themselves because it really I wasn't judging them. They weren't followers of Jesus and so I wasn't judging them, which we'll, we'll get to. I wasn't standing in judgment of the way that they lived their lives. But because they would judge us, they felt that back on themselves. You know, Matthew chapter 7 is more of a rebuke to the religious people and the religious leaders of the day and instruction in hypocrisy than it actually is a command not to judge. But Jesus is teaching us how to judge properly. And so let's look at that. How do we judge? We judge with one standard. He says, take the log out of your eye and then you can take the speck out of your brother's eye. Now listen, most of us have heard this before. And we take it and we, we contemplate it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. i got to take the log out of my own eye before I can, I can help take the speck out of somebody else's eye. But have you ever really stopped to picture this? To not just have it be words on a page? Because this wasn't words on a page. Jesus, this is this actually chapter 7 is, is a part of, of the Sermon on the Mount. And so Jesus is talking to a group of people. And I, I completely forgot it, but I have my staff, I have a staff in my office. And this is the way that I picture it. Jesus picking up a shepherd's staff and holding it up to his eye and walking around and being like, here, let me take the speck out of your eye. And he's like coming at people with this, this staff, this log. And it's, what he's showing, it's the ridiculousness of the double standard. How can you remove a tiny speck of dirt from someone's eye when you can't see because you have a log sticking out of your face? I imagine Jesus walking over to people with that staff and they're ducking because he's swinging it around and he's going to catch someone in the face. I don't know if you realize this, but Jesus was funny. When you read this, this isn't something to contemplate. This is something to laugh at. He was poking fun at the double standard of the religious people of the day. Because what we do is we minimize our issues, our mistakes, and our shortcomings while magnifying everyone else's. And this is what Jesus was teaching against. Stop judging with a double standard. Take care of your own junk. Look after your own issues. Clean up your own baggage. And then you'll be able to clearly help someone else with their stuff. If not, you're really just the blind leading the blind and you're both heading off into disaster hurting people as you go because no one feels loved or helped when their junk is pointed out by someone who has just as much if not more junk there's one standard of judging jesus sets it we find it in scripture and it's always done in love number two we also judge with god's eyes see there's a story in John chapter 7 where Jesus, Jesus does this often. He corrects the religious leaders and rebukes them. So here he is again correcting and rebuking them for their judgment. And they, ju- they were judging him because he healed someone on the Sabbath day. And it says this in John 7 and verse 24. Jesus says, Do not judge by appearance, superficially and arrogantly, but judge fairly and righteously. See, they were judging Jesus based on what they could see. And what they saw 
did not match with what they expected. Jesus was nothing. The Messiah Jesus was nothing like they expected. He didn't come like, like they expected. He didn't look like they expected. He didn't talk like they expected. He didn't hang out with the right people like they expected. And so because what they saw was not what they expected, they judged what they saw. They judged him as being a lawbreaker for healing on the Sabbath. They judged him for being a sinner and a drunkard for eating meals with tax collectors and prostitutes. And so because of this judgment, superficially, Jesus is rebuking them. Not for judging, but by judging according to appearance. And he tells them to judge fairly and righteously. So judge with God's eyes and see people how God sees them. We cannot, we must not judge based on outward appearance or by title, or by position, or by finances, or lack of finances, or by how popular or how influential somebody is. We have to see them how God sees them. Look at them and see the gifts that God has put in them. Look at them and see the Holy Spirit working in them, the grace of God in them. You know, the value of a thing is the price that someone is willing to pay for that thing and that's really the basis of the free market so if someone is willing to buy a house for a million dollars then that sets the market price for like houses Jesus was willing to pay his perfect sinless life for mine and for yours so that's the value of every human life is the blood of Jesus so we must judge with God's eyes, seeing their true value. So when you look at someone and you're like, oh, and you, you know, in your heart, you're thinking, well, they're not, they, they must be immoral. They must be sinners or, or whatever, whatever you think. You know what? Say, God, help me to see them the way that you see them. With the value that's on their life, the precious blood of Jesus, because the same value on their life is the same value on my life. So we judge with God's eyes. And number three, we judge actions and not motives. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. Paul writes and he says, So look at Apollos and me as mere servants of Christ who have been put in charge of explaining the mysteries of God. Now a person who is put in charge as a manager must be faithful. As for me, it matters very little how I might be evaluated by you or by any human authority. For I don't even trust my own judgment on this point. He says, my conscience is clear, but that doesn't prove that I'm right. It is the Lord himself who will examine me and decide. So don't make judgments about anyone ahead of time. Some translations say ahead of the time, which is before the Lord returns. For he will bring our darkest secrets to light. Someone say, uh-oh. And he will reveal our private motives then God will give to each one whatever praises do. All right, so Paul is writing to the church in Corinth, and he's saying, you guys go ahead. Go ahead and judge me and examine me, me and Apollos, and see if we are faithful in teaching you. See if we are faithful in leading you into the mysteries of God. You're free to judge me. But I don't put much weight in that judgment. I don't put much weight in how people judge me at all. He goes, in fact, I don't really trust my own judgment. 
In the end, he says, Jesus is the one that will judge and decide if we have been faithful. And then he goes on to say, not to judge before the Lord returns. So on one hand, Paul says, go ahead and judge. But then on the other hand, he says, don't judge until Jesus does. Which seems like they are in odds at each other. That they contradict each other until you read the next part where Paul goes on to say that it's Jesus is the one that brings the secret things out that no one knows about. He brings those things out into light. And he makes our motives known. See, we can only judge what we see. We do not and cannot know the intentions and motives of people's hearts. Jeremiah says in chapter 17, he says, The heart is deceitful. And who can know its secret motives? The Lord alone, the Lord alone knows and examines the heart and mind and, 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 and rewards accordingly. There's other places in Scripture where it says we don't even know our own heart. What business do we have judging someone else's heart when we can't even judge our own hearts? Because we don't know what we can't know. And what we can't know is what's in someone's mind and what's in someone's heart. So judging motives is out of bounds. We think that we know why some, I know why you did what you did. You don't know why that person did what they did. All you know is what they did. It's impossible for you to know exactly why they did it unless they tell you why they did it. And so we have to refrain from judging motives. When we judge motives, this sets us up into in, in, sets us up in the judge's seat, which is Jesus' seat. You never want to be caught sitting down in Jesus' seat. Motives and intentions are out of bounds for us to judge. But actions, those things that we can see, we are called to judge those things. Right? A little bit later on in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, starting at verse 9, Paul writes, he says, I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people, not at, listen, and this is important, catch this, not at all meaning the people of the world who are immoral, or the greedy, or the swindlers, or the idolaters. In that case, you'd have to leave the world. But I'm writing to you that you must not associate with anyone who claims to be a brother or sister, but is sexually immoral, or greedy, or an idolater, or a slanderer, or a drunkard, or a swindler. Do not even eat with such people. Because what business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? Are you not to judge those inside? God will judge those outside. But expel the wicked person from among you. <laughs> but Paul pulls no punches, right? <laughs> How many angry people would we have in our churches if we did this? Right? No, no, no. You cannot come to the potluck, you sexually immoral person. Get out! I didn't write it. I just read it. We are not only to judge actions, but specifically the actions of those in the family of God. And we are to bring discipline to those that refuse to stop walking in the ways that are contrary to a follower of Jesus. For those outside the family of faith, those outside, that they don't associate with Jesus, we don't judge their actions. What we do is we, what we judge, basically we judge the fruit in their lives. So we know 
what they're doing is moral or immoral. Is it right or is it wrong? Does it line up with Scripture or does it not line up with Scripture? We're not judging them. We're just judging the fruit in their lives. And we're let God be the judge of them. But we still get to, to we still get have to know what it, is, is what they're doing moral or immoral. But we are not judging them. We don't step into that place of disciplining those who are outside the church. Leave that for Jesus. Which leads us back to the original statement. Only God can judge me. Listen, not only is this not true, but this is not a safer option. Can we just be honest for a minute? For those who are saying, well, only God can judge me. Whoa, pack the bus up. I think I would rather have people judge me and not God judge me. Why? Because there comes, a, there comes a point where Jesus will judge every person who ever lived. John, John um, in Revelation, he's, he's seeing into the future. God gives him this revelation of what's to come. And in chapter 10, verses 11 through 15, he, he, I'm not going to read it, but he, he describes what he's seeing. And what he sees is what's called a great white throne. He says, I see a great white throne and him sitting on it. He's talking about God the Father sitting on the throne. And then it says that books were brought before him, plural, and the books were opened. And then the book of life, a separate book than the books, the book of life was brought before him and it was opened. Then he says, I saw everyone, everyone who had ever lived was standing before the throne. And there is a record, because listen, the books, those plural books, there is a record in heaven of everything that you have ever done. Everything that any person who's ever lived has ever done. There is a record of it. It's written down in the books. So the books were opened and everybody was judged. Not judged as a husband and wife, not judged as a family. You stand alone before God and you are judged. And then John says, and if their name was not found in the book of life, then they were cast into the lake of fire, which is hell. This is only God can judge me judgment. This is terrifying. Everyone that receives Jesus as Lord and King has their name recorded in the book of life. Or, I mean, there's another way to look at it. Everyone who was ever born, your name is written in the book of life and you have the opportunity to erase it when you reject him. If you accept what Jesus did for you, who he is, his death on the cross, the resurrection, and you live for him, your name is in the book of life. If you reject him, your name is not found in the book of life. It's rejecting the forgiveness it's rejecting the life that Jesus offers, and then you are judged accordingly. And listen, no decision is a decision. You can't just make your way through life and just, I, I'm not, I'm, I abstain. I'm not going to choose. That's a choice. It's, there's, no, there's no passive, well, I, Jesus, I, di I didn't get to choose. I, I chose not to choose. That's a choice. You live for him or you don't live for him. Jesus is the final and the ultimate judge, judging actions, motives, and the heart of people and rewarding them accordingly to what they have done with him. Receive Jesus as Lord and King or reject him. Receive him and be rewarded with eternal life or reject him and the judgment is eternal separation for him. See, we judge to know what is righteous and what is sinful. 
We judge to know what measures up to the standard of Scripture and what falls short of the standard of Scripture. We judge to discipline those of the family of God that are walking in continual sin and refuse to repent. We judge to know what is right and wrong, and we judge to know what is moral and immoral. But we judge with one standard for all people. We judge with the eyes of God, and we judge actions, not motives. Because this is what Jesus says about judging. Let's pray. Father, we invite your discipline. As your sons and daughters, we invite your discipline into our lives. For those times that we have set ourselves up in the judge's seat, God, forgive us. Jesus, forgive us for sitting in your seat. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would help us to offer forgiveness and grace and mercy and love the way that we have received it from you, the way that we want it for ourselves, that we would turn and we would offer that same to other people. Discipline us now, Father, so that we'll be judged favorably when we stand before you alone. And I pray that you would help us to love people straight into your arms, straight into the kingdom of God, that they would know that favorable judgment and they would be rewarded with eternal life. And I ask that you would help us to accurately represent you in the world. For we are your ambassadors here, now. You have placed us here and now to represent you. Help us represent you well. That when people see us, they watch how we act because they're watching. And they hear us talk. That they will know that we are yours. We would represent you well.